we'll be in the chapter quite a bit. I'm going to read just a few verses to introduce the message, and then we'll be seated. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits, and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent together to gather together the princes, the governors and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, the governors and captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then an herald cried aloud to you, It is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king hath set up. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore at that time, then all the people heard, when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations, and the languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Wherefore at that time certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless today. Father, we love you. God, we ask that you would in a very real way touch our pastor today and anoint him and just raise him up, dear Jesus. God, I pray that this morning as we gather together, God, you are the same. God, you knew the circumstances of this hour before they ever came to our attention. So God, we trust you today that you would move and intervene, God, and do a work that only you can. God, that you would be uplifted and glorified and honored, and that your will would be accomplished. This we ask in your name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to read a couple other passages. Uh, Ephesians 6.11, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. And then in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, and notice the next phrase, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you is, it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for His sake having the same conflict which he saw in me, and now here to be in me. The word stand appears 
274 times in 267 verses. It's a, a word that's used quite frequently. And it's very simply the title today of the message that I would like to bring with the help of God, Stand. Stand. We are living in a a day and an hour, as Brother Ronnie even referenced in Sunday school. The generation that I will minister in and now and continue to, it's a scary thought. And most of us would agree with that. I even in the... Uh, public setting, if you would, it's, it's a scary thought to see the next generation of employees and workers that are coming up to, if you want to say, fill the shoes of the older generation. But we're living in a world that the necessity of standing is greater than it's ever been. And I, w- I want to s- express this, if I may. I had at least two other thoughts that I would have preferred to have visited this morning than this. But I just felt the Lord continue to bring us back here. We have to be willing to stand for right. The next generation has to learn what it is to stand and not be ashamed. And in a lot of ways more than what we do today. We read here in Daniel 3, we, we read about three men. And I want to point out that they were men. We often refer to them as the three Hebrew boys. But I believe we're talking about men. God clearly labels them as such. I believe we can learn from that that God is needing some men and some women of God that will stand when it's not easy. That will take a stand for right and integrity and truth when it's not easy. And somewhere in the process, we must, if we are to stand, we have to stop excusing ourselves from not standing. With any of us, the tendency is to find the reason why we should. Why should we cave and adjust rather than why should we stand? Because standing takes courage. May I say that God commands our standing. But the world is demanding that we stand. The word command has the idea to govern, to lead, to direct, to have or exercise supreme authority over. God commands that. He has the supreme authority over us as His people. But the, the world that we live in today is a world that is demanding. And so, well, what is the difference? The difference would be the world is, is pressing and urging and they're wanting answers and they're wanting to know where we stand on subjects and, and the, the issues in our world today. But they don't have the authority over us. God is commanding our stance But the world today is demanding our stance. And for the sake of the world, we must stand. We're leaving the generation, and probably well gone, that you could have values and standards and convictions and a boldness, if you would. Or you could have those things and not have to really verbalize and not have to... You could kind of be on the fence and quiet. But there's coming a day that the world is demanding 
where we stand. These three men knew what it meant to stand. They faced the fire, literally. They faced the fire and yet maintained their integrity. We, as God's people, as we approach a new year, we must determine to stand for the cause of Christ. It's not easy, and in a lot of ways it's not fun. It's not something you do off of feeling, but off of the truth of the Word of God. I want to present this in a way that the word stand, if you were to jot the stand down the left side of your paper, you'd have an acrostic to help us remember the truth. And I want to be transparent today and say I have preached this message before. And I was thinking back today and saying, I remember preaching it. And while I'm thankful for those that are still standing, I'm challenged by those that since that time have not stood. Not because of the message, but just the time and the, the, tale, the tale of time that has lapsed and their true colors, if you will. I'm challenged as I spoke with a family member and the hypocrisy of God's people. And church, we have to understand the world has a valid point. And the hypocrisy of some of God's people. Because we've not stood true as we should. First of all, I would like to say we have to have a settled standard. If we're going to stand, we must have a settled standard. Daniel chapter 3 verse 12, There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, have not regarded thee. Notice the next phrase, they serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Notice what was said about these men. It was not just said that they will not bow to the idol that you have set up, O king, but they will not serve thy gods, little g gods. Now those little g-gods were present here before the golden image was ever set up. And that tells us that long before the golden image was ever an issue, these men had already settled where they were. These men had already settled their standards. The standard did not come when the struggle came. They already knew what they believed. I've shared with our junior church, we've been studying on purity, and I've shared with them that you cannot wait. You must set conviction before the time of temptation. And if we wait until the time of testing and tribulation and trials, if you will, to settle where we stand and what we believe and whom we stand for, we'll take the risk of falling. If you wait until convictions are challenged, we will crumble. If we wait until standards are shot out, we will sell out. If you wait until character is confronted, we will compromise. We must know, long before we have to stand where we stand. And you can't wait until the flames of the fiery furnace are lashing out of the door to decide where we draw the line 
with the standards that God has given us. A, sandaled, a settled standard is what we do when we know the worst may come. The decree had been made that they would face the fiery furnace. And yet these men would continue to stand knowing that the worst could come. The standard that they were standing for, if you will, I believe was Exodus 23, Thou shalt have no other gods before Me. They were not going to allow a man-made worship of little g-gods or a man-made worship of an idol of himself to take precedence of God Almighty in their life. They had a settled standard. We must know what we stand for. Not only do I, in the settled standard, but I, I, one truth that I often refer back to in this story was they had surrounding support. They had surrounding support. I don't know this to be fact. The Bible does not tell us. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego took a stand together. And I've, I've often wondered, had they been left by their self, would they have stood? If Shadrach had stood by his self when it was time to bow at the idol, could he have stood it alone? Could Abednego, when he stood before the king, right before the fiery furnace, could he have at that moment, solo if you will, stood? My personal thoughts is the fact that the three of them together drew faith and strength from one another to take the stand. I don't know if you could have been there if Meshach was a little bit on the quiet side, why well, Abednego saying, let it be known, O king, our God is able. But if he doesn't, we're not. I, Meshach's in there saying, guys, are you sure about this? Guys, are you, are you, you know what you're saying, right? We're going to go into the, that hot box over there. Are you sure? But I believe he could draw strength, or any one of these men from the other, saying we'll stand. And I want to express to you the importance that if we are going to survive and have a standard that pleases God Almighty, we're going to have to have the support of the local church and the local church family. I think they needed each other. I wonder if one would have sold out by itself. We need strong support. Somebody that knows what they believe. Like-minded. That's what the church is about. Us coming together in unity. Faith of the gospel. Like-mindedness. We need sure support. Someone we know will be there. Do you realize that today you are an encourager in the life of somebody? It may be the, the life of your spouse, or the life of your child, or it may be the very person that sits down the pew from you. And that when they walk in these doors, the first person they look for, not Brother Ronnie or the pastor, myself or anybody, but they're looking for you. They're looking for a sure support, somebody that they know will be in their place. That they can draw encouragement from, and strength from, and faith from. And sometimes we as Christians need that. May we be challenged to have a very settled standard. As long as God is an option, the opposition will win. 
when church is no longer an option, Christ will take precedence in our life. We have a settled standard. But secondly, when we're taking a stand, I believe we should talk little. A stand or a standard, a conviction, whatever terminology you would like to use, is not to impress or provoke or anger someone else. Our standard must have the correct motive. And I'm, and I'm uncertain in the fact that maybe in our movement, if you will, we have not boasted a standard out of pride and arrogance rather than a humility of trying to please the Lord. There's a huge difference. And may I say, those that we work with, those that we live with, those that are around us constantly, know our motive. Because our spirit will bear our motive. We need not discuss or promote our stand. Not to be ashamed. When asked, be ready to give an answer. But you don't hear Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walking through the province there when this whole ordeal is coming down. That we're going to bow before this golden image. You don't find these men walking around saying, I'm not bowing. I don't know what you're doing. I'm not bowing. I'm not bowing. They are told on. They are titled on, if you will. All they do is stand. They're just doing what they know to be right between them and the Lord. You know, I'm thankful for the heritage that we have. I'm thankful for the King James Bible. I'm thankful that we have the true, inerrant, infallible, inspired Word of God. And I don't promote other versions. But can I say before the fact that I believe in the King James Bible, I need to live what the Bible says in my stand. Talking about it is one thing. Living it is a total different thing. And I find that we as Christians maybe find satisfaction that we can promote the old-fashioned hymns. We can promote the King James Bible. We can promote a dress standard and giving God our very best. And we can promote these things. But the fact is, they've not changed us. We must learn to talk little. We create a lot of trouble for ourselves when we proudly promote our position. May I say, if we have proper motives, we won't have to defend our stand. If our motives are proper, we won't have to defend our stand. Do you realize this book needs no no props, no crutches, no help? It can stand on its own. And if I am about this book, and my life is a settled standard of God's standard, then I can live it before a lost and dying world. So I'm having to talk about it because I'm not confident in what I'm living. Your stand will stand alone. Notice these men did not debate why or try to reason with the king. 
They didn't debate with King Nebuchadnezzar. They didn't try to persuade King Nebuchadnezzar. They weren't trying to make the king see it their way. They just stated their stance and left it. That takes a great amount of faith. If you're like me, you want to make sure that they understood where you was coming from. You want to make sure that they could follow. You understand what I'm saying? But if our stance is God, we can look and say, do you understand what God says? And so many times, how often have we got ourselves in trouble? People cannot use what we don't say against us. People cannot use what we don't say against us. We ought to take a stand, church. Be bold, unashamed. But we must do it with proper motives. A settled standard, we should talk little. But thirdly, I would like to say we need to acknowledge God. We should acknowledge God. Look there in Daniel chapter 3 with me again at verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And He will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Notice, please, for just a moment. Our God whom we serve. Is it your God? Can you acknowledge God as your God? You will not stand for somebody that you don't acknowledge. It would be like trying to marry somebody that you never talked to. Is God your God? Can you confidently walk and when confronted with a test, say, our or my God is able. We serve. Is He a God that you serve? That you love? You adore? Notice where they stood. They said, we're not careful. We're not afraid. We're, not, we're going to give you an answer, King. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. Notice that. They said He is able. God can. We're acknowledging the power of God Almighty that He is able to handle this. But notice what they said next. And He will deliver us out of thine hand. They did not question the ability of God, nor the love of God, They say, God's able. What they're saying to the king, God, we may die in this fiery furnace, but know that we're delivered. Hey, God may not decide to allow us, as the story ends, to walk out unscathed, not smelling like smoke. He may not allow that, but know that regardless of His avenue that He chooses, He has delivered us. He has delivered us. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So King, no matter what happens today, God will deliver us. Our stand has to be God. 
Because if we stand for anyone or anything else, we will surely lack the strength that only God can give. And the only way we will know God in the level that these men know God is by serving God. God whom we serve. Not the God that we love. Not the God that we know about. But the God that motivates me to action. The God that moves my heart. The God that says there's a world that needs Jesus Christ. The God that pushes me and motivates me and drives me and forces me at times when I don't want to do it. That God! The God that I serve. When we serve God, we will have a faith like no other. The Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And we go to the foundation that the Word of God is God's Word. And we by faith put all matters of doctrine and practice out of this book. We by faith use this as our very foundation. And we learn this book. It says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We learn this book when we hear it preached, when we interact with this book, when we read this book, when we study this book. And it is through that time when we exercise the faith in the Word of God and we study the Word of God, and we interact with the Word of God, that we then have faith. These men had faith like no other. There should be a settled standard. We should talk little. Oh, how we should acknowledge God. May our, what we're standing, our, our convictions and our standards not be bigger than who we're standing for. Christ. And that's a question we must ask ourselves. The stance and the stand that I take, is it for self-glory or for His glory? May I say God knows our motive. Not only should we have a settled standard Should we talk little and acknowledge God? Number four, I believe we should never retreat. If you look there in verse 17 with me. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and He will deliver us out of thine hand, O King. But if not, let it be known, O King. Notice this, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Notice, When the time came, now it's one thing to stand knowing that the worst may come. Knowing that it could happen. It's one thing to take the stand knowing I may lose my job. But it's one thing when the worst does come. And when you're standing there, and you're taking that stand, and your job is on the line and in jeopardy. Oh, it's one thing to know it could happen. Oh, but when it's happened, and it's quite another. And we as God's people must be careful never to retreat. Not pride, not arrogance, but no apology for the Word of God and the truth of God. The stance was stated and that was it. It wasn't a discussion. We must leave the rest to God. God. 
when we take our stand. That's faith. That's believing God when we stand and we say, God, you'll have to handle this for me. Notice Daniel 3.19. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. Not only did what they expected to be the worst was coming, it got worse. Seven times worse. And yet they stood. The king's fury, I see the king's fury. And I, I need to tell you something, folks. If we stand for right, everybody is not going to love us because we stood for right. The world will not always... You might find the occasional one or two that will say, man, it's good to meet somebody that does right still. But for the vast majority, you're going to find you will anger somebody along the way and it will be the person that you least expect, somebody that you didn't look that that would happen, somebody you loved, you adored. And when you take that stand, you can rest assured somebody, fury will be unleashed. Daniel 2.49, Then Daniel requested of the king, and he said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. In just the previous chapter, they've been given the position. If you asked, I would say those men probably did not expect this to be happening today. They were set over the affairs in the kingdom, and they weren't expecting this. Not only was the king's fury, but there's the king's form. The form of his visage was changed against. His countenance changed, if you will. I would go so far as to say he had a different opinion of those three men right then and there. I would, I would even question if he didn't doubt and regret and question if he should have put them in position. But yet they stood. Not only was there the fury in the form, but there was the furnace. When we decide that we will never retreat, rest assured the fire will come. If we purpose to never retreat, the fire will come. Fires of testing. But I need to say this. When the heat was on, they stood. When the heat was on, they stood. It's one thing to stand in here today. For the most part, we all would agree that we need to stand for God. But it's quite another to walk in tomorrow, punch the clock, and in a, in a building full of worldliness to stand. It's quite another. May I say, what do we learn? We learn we should only place confidence in our God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego no doubt respected the king and were thankful for the positions that they had been given. But look who turned on them. But God never did. So we as Christians, as we stand and we decide we'll never retreat, the only way we can never retreat is by placing our confidence in God. We should have a settled standard. We should talk little, acknowledge God, 
and never retreat. And then lastly, we should delight in right. Delight in right. Look with me there in Daniel chapter 3 again, verse 23. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Drop down to verse 26, if you will. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire, and the princes, governors, and captains, and the king's counselors, being gathered together, saw these men, upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was an hair of their head singed. Neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him, and hath changed the king's word, and yielded their bodies, that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made a dunghill, because there is, notice this phrase, no other God that can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. These men had come out of the fire. We know this story. We know this encounter. They had come out unsinged, not even the smell of smoke. Unchanged. Someone, though, had to be in the fire for Nebuchadnezzar to see God. There is no other God, capital G, no other God that can deliver after this sort. Nebuchadnezzar is saying, all this little G-God mess we've had around here, I don't know what all that is, but it's nothing compared to what I just saw. I have yet to see any of them do what just happened here. No God can deliver after this sort. But somebody had to be in there to be delivered, to be seen by the world. Somebody had to endure the fire. Somebody had to stand and be true and delight in doing right in order for the world to see God. Not always about us. It may be the ones that are watching us. Right will always win, church. I know in the world today, and they're trying to make a new right. Truth will always travail. Always. And right is still right. Truth is still truth. These men received a promotion. They got a blessing after they stood. But most importantly, God received the preeminence. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. That word preeminent, if you will, has the idea of surpassing all others. Not only did God's people that He used get a promotion, but God Himself gained the preeminence when the king said, no God can deliver after this sort. God surpassed all others 
in that kingdom that day. Because somebody delighted in doing right. May I say truth is truth is truth. Truth is not hinged on my believing it, living it, your believing it, or living it. Truth is truth because it's God's Word. And right will always win. It's hard sometimes to believe that in the world that we live in. When we see victories, if you want to call them victories, for lack of a better word, for the wrong side and the wrong matters. But we must stand firm in the fact that God is in control. And He needs us to stand. If we don't stand for something, we will fall for anything. To learn strong faith is to endure great trials. I have learned my faith by standing firm amid severe testing. Something that George Mueller said. I'd like to invite you to stand to your feet. Every head bowed and every eye closed for a moment.